Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. Welcome. Thank you guys for being with us. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in either by Anchor or Apple Podcasts or watching the video on the blog for Theology in the Dirt. We're having a blast doing this, and and, uh, we are now on Discipleship Part 3. And uh, just very quickly, do a if I can do a 30-second recap, yeah. we have talked about two of four components. And those two components so far have been the relational component of discipleship, where we talk about the work of the Trinity and our yeah. relationship to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, their relationship. Thus, then transformational. And I, I got to reiterate, I don't know that there's been a more impactful conversation I've had than the conversation we had mm-hmm. for the, the second uh part of this. It was huge for me. Um, and and it, those components of heart, mind, affections, will, my relationships and purpose were just huge. I was telling Keith a little bit earlier, I've, I've listened to it three times, uh, almost three times, two and almost full three times. I can't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm just believing that's going to be good for other folks. And so today we're going to hit the third part. And that third part is the this this component of process. So we're relationship, transformational, but this isn't just something that falls out of the sky. Yeah. Um, there's some discipline. I mean, the word disciple yeah. means it, there's a discipline component. So there's a process. There's an there order is. here. So Les, why don't you start us by talking about the process and let's let's converse about it. So when we when we talk about discipleship, um, there I think a lot of times people just come to it intuitively, mm-hmm. and their whatever comes naturally to them is what they they focus on. Um, all of us are that way. That's what I that's what I want to focus on. The, the right. things that I enjoy, um, especially in those six transformations. There's there's ones that we're going to be more more apt to lean into things that we're going to be stronger on, but so as not to have like a, I don't know if you want to think about of it in like a workout terms to have a a fully toned Mm. spiritual body, we've got to make sure that all of those transformations are occurring through without anyone being unaddressed. You don't Mm. want to have like a gigantic, Popeye arm. <laughs> Some guys in the gym actually <laughs> yeah. do look like that. Right. Um, they skip leg days. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> yeah. skip leg days. Like a polio victim. Mm, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so that, I think that's, that's why process uh, mm. is really critical, is because we can either focus on the transformation of the mind, which is um, mm. the discipleship uh, style that I was raised in, uh, so that you've got these, this massive amount of head knowledge, which is really important, but then an inability to act on that. So the transformation of the will that enacts out the, the transformation of the mind and puts it into practice in the real world mm. is out of whack. Mm. Um, and the way I like to uh, describe it or draw it is you can have a transformation um, if you just focus on on that transformation 
of the mind, then you got this this head here. Here, let's give him a a, a happy face. Um, there he is. But the thing is that if you don't have the transformation of the will to go with it, then you got this this body that kind of this this poor guy's head is just like so heavy. It's like <laughs> dragging him down. Whereas what we want is we want um, we want a heart that is oriented towards God. Um, this guy's really happy. And we've got feet that are going in one direction. Um, mm. Here we can eat the guys look in arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. that's, that's, the t- that's the kind of discipleship we want, is we want mm. uh, somebody whose entire life is focused and every aspect of them are being transformed. Mm. And so as to not miss out on that, whenever we gather together for a time of discipleship, there are components we want to make sure that we have. And that's the process that I want to talk about today. What are those components that make sure that um, we, when we gather together in a, in a corporate discipleship uh, gathering, that we've got all the elements that make sure that each individual and the group as a whole, mm. because there is individual and there is corporate transformation. Mm. And that's, that's a whole other topic, but the whole, the whole community, as it talks about in Ephesians 4, as everyone participates in following Christ, then we all grow up into the maturity of spiritual manhood, womanhood, mm. um, and reflecting Christ. But everybody has to participate in that together in order for that maturing of each individual to actually occur. Mm. Right. <laughs> so. My mind's turning because they're corporate and individual. And, mm-hmm. and so when we're talking process, how do you, how do you blend corporate and individual? What, what is, when we talk about corporate and individual, what is the synergy between those two? Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of the things that I'm thinking about, it feels like my mind immediately goes to this discipleship process between, you know, one person and another person. And it, you, you lose the, You've lost the war. What's the community role in this process? Mm-hmm. And can two people sitting across the table pull this off by themselves? And so it's, yeah, it's interesting that. Well, even that is it. That is at one level, that is corporate, is it not? That's at least two is. Sure. Yeah. It right. has a corporate aspect mm-hmm. to it. Right. Um, but the more that that is up to a certain point, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the inner core three, um, Jesus plus. Peter, James, and John, or a larger group of 12, or a larger group of 120, as you see those, those uh, ever-widening circles in Jesus' discipleship sphere, mm-hmm. um, you've got various levels of corporate, yeah. uh, of corporate discipleship. But uh, let's, let's go through process and talk about the different elements in that process, just to kind of... Um, and this is just a simple, uh, very reproducible way of looking at uh, how do you, when you get, when you get together as the body, um, as a small group, one-on-one, or even um, elements of it ought to be done in a, in a large corporate gathering. Uh, and uh, there are various ways that we could talk about doing that in a large corporate gathering, like a a worship service or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, and I think some of them are 
um, are no-brainers, just intuitive to us. But um, just to kind of go over it, it's it's what I call a three-thirds process. So there's three dis- distinct sections, and uh, I'll just draw them up here. And there's subpoints within each section, but just to keep it simple, the the first section we're going to call looking back. Big enough for everybody back there. Just draw a box with three uh, three boxes inside, and the first one we're going to draw an arrow going back. That's looking back. Second one we're going to call looking up. And the third one we're going to call looking forward. And uh, <clears throat> it sets this, the three parts set up for us a process by which, as we gather together, we're ready from last time. So this, this is an ongoing process that, that kind of, um, as often as we get together, we do these things so that when we get together next time, we're looking back to what we talked about last time, assessing where we are. But let me, let me just go through the, the look back part. So in looking back, um, the first thing that we want to make sure that we're doing is that we're caring for the body. And uh, that's, that's an opportunity for the shepherding components of um, making sure that uh, everyone's needs are expressed and the body is having an, an opportunity to express the one another's. You think of all the one another's throughout the New Testament, there's so many of them. Um, and if we gather together as the body and we're not one anothering, then we're failing. Mm-hmm. We're failing to be the body of Christ. Uh, we're failing to, um, as, as Jesus talked about, it's by your love for one another that the world will know that I've sent. And uh, you see that in, um, in the infant church in Jerusalem. They cared for one another, and they found favor with all, you know, there's this, all these descriptions. They had everything in common, mm-hmm. right. ways that they cared for each other, and they had favor with all the, all the men, all the people, and God had added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's a, there seems to be a, Paul, uh, Luke's making a direct correlation between the care for one another in the body and the effectiveness of the gospel message in Jerusalem, right. uh, in Acts chapter 2. Right. And I guess this gives people an opportunity to share if they might not have, you know, well, man, I didn't know you'd had this need. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I mean, I, I really didn't want to say anything. But if, if everybody understands in the group, this is the time. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're asking you, if there's a need, please right. share it with us so that we can help you with it. And this is the cor- this is the corporate and individual merging. That, yes. that there's, the, it's the corporate together, but you're dealing with individual needs. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you look at those two, the, almost corporate and individual, we say them as though they're separate things. But you can't have corporate without individual. Right. And an individual is is not really anything but corporate because of the relational component of Trinitarian Christian theology. Yes. And and so you can't have just individual. It's no. it, it's. 
I mean, you may try that, but internally it's destructive because we were, we're made in the image of mm-hmm. community, yeah. trinity. And so the corporate and the individual have to go together. Uh, there's, a, there's a great book. Uh, not everything I agree on it. On, uh, I don't agree on everything in there, but there's a, um, an Orthodox theologian called John Ziziolos um, that wrote a, a book called Being as Communion. So we, we actually, by interacting with other, his thesis is by interacting with other people, uh, we know that we exist, and that gives us, that lateral um, interaction actually allows us to reflect on, uh, on the Trinity, mm. and we actually see our image, our image of God creation as we interact with each other. Without the, the other person, in right. communion without mm-hmm. the other person, we actually don't even Right, and and this process, I, I hear one of the things I appreciated from learning from Leslie Newbigin, and I've learned from N.T. Wright along the way that I think have brought some components to 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 my mind when we talk about even our salvation and the corporate work is the restoration of humanity to mm-hmm. its fully created glory as the image of the Triune God is is that's part of our salvation. It's not just I've I'm going to heaven or I'm right. in the kingdom of God, but there's a restoration of humanity, what it means to be human. And that's the, there, there's, I'm an individual and I'm part of a corporate entity and the restoration of that in this process, that there's something going on. Even the process is working toward an end, but even in the process, there's something happening in yeah. restoring me into true human, what it means to be human. And I, I think that... As we as we come into something like um, like the share and care, one of the things that we're making sure that we're transforming is our affections. Right. Transformed affections means that we love God first, and we love the things that God loves. So God loves His people. I mean, He He was willing to have Jesus, His Son, die for the sake of the church. And when we love one another. And we have that opportunity, and it's part of our regular rhythm of gathering. Right. Then we are starting to make sure that we have that transformation mm-hmm. of affections. Right. And it's it's part of what we do every time we get together. So that that this is that transformation. This mm-hmm. is an opportunity to exercise corporately that transformation of um, of realigned affections. I love you and you because. Christ loved you first and foremost, and here's my opportunity to express that. So you're saying that when I'm doing discipleship, either with small groups or large groups, I should make sure that everybody in my group has all the things I like in common with me, right? <laughs> no. 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 I've, I've got to bear with everybody, even yeah. people who are really different from me in yes. the body. Because, I mean, discipleship sometimes can turn into... It can be clicky. It can be, yeah. Um, that you know, that group isn't for me or whatever. Part of share, part of caring is, yeah, is developing the ability to, mm. to love everybody, mm. even the difficult folks. Yes. Yeah, and I may be one of them. Yes, so you, I'm you thankful might. That, yeah, <laughs> Not I'm me, thankful. but you might. <laughs> no, no, somebody, somebody, yeah. That's um, hard. Yeah, it is hard. But that's and hard. that's that's I believe that's what is one of the primary distinctions of a Christian body versus somebody else. We feel we've been called right. to love everybody. Yeah. 
and it's it really doesn't have anything to do. I mean, you don't necessarily go on vacation with everybody, but you you're gonna do life with folks very different from us that don't yeah. have anything in common, that don't right. have the same interests. But the one thing that matters most we have in common is the Lord, right? And how we yeah. see the world, engage our lives, and that kind of thing. Well, you you use the language share and care, right? So. Um, not to get too down in the weeds, because this could be a two-hour episode. Sure. <laughs> but, 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 how, how do you manage share and care when you've got a when you maybe your group's fifteen to twenty people versus five people, or share and care if there's that one person who, like probably me, who talks too much. Like, how do you share and care and keep that moving along? Or is it okay that, you know, your discipleship time or whatever you have set aside goes for, like, three hours? <laughs> Good which, question. Of, yes. of which probably me, because I'm impatient, I bailed at an hour. You know, either yeah. emotionally, mentally, or physically, like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. I There's a couple of strategies for that. Um, one is just being, like, even even if you're as you're leading you'll get you'll get better at this but there there is a sense in which um as people expect that this is a regular thing then and they see that it's that you're you're not going to shortchange it people don't feel like that they've got to spill all their guts because they're one opportunity mm-hmm. forever and ever that they'll ever have an oh, opportunity wow. to talk um this is a safe place this is a place of of love and affection and um, we've got room for people. And so people don't feel like this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that tones down that sort of like that kind Here's of... Here's my um, one chance. Right. <laughs> got to get it out. That's one thing. Right. So regularity um, mm-hmm. is really critical to that. Uh, another thing is uh, taking somebody aside. Uh, if if they are kind of continuously in the habit of like this is my therapy session, um, which it's not not supposed to be mm-hmm. group therapy, and this person gets the whole group all to themselves. That just bringing coming along in that's a discipleship point mm-hmm. of making sure that an individual that might be overbearing or um, you just have an opportunity to kind of mm-hmm. do the discipleship of the heart and say how might you love the group better by asking the questions, reaching out, making sure that there's room and everybody else gets included um, and drawing out the introvert in the group. Mm -hmm. Another thing is if you've got a group of 15, this is really hard. Uh, You can cut it down by saying, okay, everybody give me a high and a low for the week so that there's like just people are at least getting a chance to say, here's one thing that was hard. Here's one thing that um, was was Mm -hmm. awesome about my week. And you've got that. So there's opportunities for both celebration and hearing what what are the heavy things in, in each other's life. Mm-hmm. That's one way to kind of like keep it on track, uh, just a practical nuts and bolts thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing is if you've got 15, 20 people, break it down into smaller groups. Have subgroups. Um, in order to maintain the dynamic of the large group, you would want to break those groups up differently each week. So it wouldn't be like, the same five people right. each time it it would be get in groups of three to five and just have them kind of naturally form but that gets the sharing and the caring um and for you'll see that same thing for other components like practice and some of the other things that we'll go through in the process mm. that subgroup actually is helpful for 
um, maintaining time and kind of keeping things flowing, giving opportunity for everybody. Good. So share and care. So you got three components. There's look back, look up, look, look forward. forward. And inside each part, there are three parts. So That's right. Three thirds. So yep. share and care is the first, the first third one the of the third th- of the first third. First, first third first item of the, the first third. There you go. All right. So the next one uh, is uh, prayer and worship. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so that would be share care, pray worship. And I like, um, there's a simple discipline I learned from a guy um, when I was growing up. Um, he's, the f- he's the first one that taught me what it was like to pray. Uh, can you not pray with me one hour? Um, you know, that Jesus' statement to the disciples after three years, they couldn't, they couldn't stand up to an hour's worth of prayer. Uh, this is the first guy that was like, here's how you pray for an hour. and after an hour of just sitting with this guy and, and we were praying together, it was like, oh, we just got started. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a guy I grew, um, that I, I knew growing up that had um, spent three years of his life already by age 19 in prison for his faith. Um, and they actually kicked him out of jail uh, because he had led his entire cell block to faith. And the communist government didn't like that. Wow. <laughs> so, You're dangerous it, in prison. It's dangerous in prison, so wow. they kicked him out. Uh, but it's very simple. It's five parts, um, and the five parts of prayer are praising God for who he is, thanking God for what he's done, confessing our sins, praying for others, and then the little tiny pinky last, praying for ourselves. And uh, rather than spending a lot of time, you've already done share and care, so you don't really need to spend time giving all of the prayer requests. Mm -hmm. You can just jump right into praying. And uh, the other thing is that it teaches, it's a discipleship of, this is, these are the the basic components of prayer. You can see all of those elements in the Lord's Prayer. Um, You can see them in various, throughout, you took the Psalms and categorized them, they fall into those those five broad categories, mixes of, of them as well. Mm-hmm. But those are the elements, the basic elements of prayer. Um, and so I, what, what I typically do um, in a group is have, once people learn it, um, and I've modeled it a couple of times, then I'll just have them break up to twos or threes um, and pray through. Um, somebody call out praise, everybody in that little circle praise a sentence or two of praise. Somebody Mm -hmm. say, thank God for what he's done. Everybody says something they're thankful for that God's done. Mm -hmm. Everybody confesses out loud. Um, And uh, for that, I particularly like to make sure two things with confession. Um, I model that confession is not just confession of action, but confession of the heart attitude behind my action. Mm -hmm. So as I'm confessing, um, yelling at my kids, I'm also confessing the impatience of my heart and the way that that is um, self-centered and self-glory. I'm, I, 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 I'm irritated at my kids because I'm all about myself, and that, that's the heart, and I'm, I'm confessing that out loud. It's not just being impatient and yelling at my kids. It actually has 
an issue at my heart. I'm not seeing I'm I'm not seeing God as the center of the universe. I'm seeing myself as the center of the universe. Hmm. So I make sure that's one thing I like to do as I'm praying confession. It's a part of discipling is is really revealing that it's actually what needs to be changed about me is not my actions, but the heart out of which those actions come. Hmm. The second one on confession is I make sure that we come to the end of confession and that whoever's the caller outer right. of of right. the prayer. Uh, says, reminds everyone that by as we confess, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins because of the glory of the cross. Uh, the cross allows us to come boldly and cleanly uh, before throne of grace. And I just want to make sure that everybody remembers that um, so that we don't walk away with the accuser, Satan, hammering us. Right. Uh, we, we can't leave a confession time without reveling in the, in the beauty of the glory, in the glory of the gospel. Just left, left yeah. feeling guilty right. or ashamed that now you know mm-hmm. what I didn't want right. you to know, yeah. but, but the, the spoken reality that that has already been dealt with. Yeah. And we're agreeing with God about that it was sin, but that it's also been paid for. That's huge. Because I think just even when it comes to confession, uh, for the majority of my life, that's always been a negative thing. It's mm-hmm. never a positive thing. And right. I, that that wigs Westerners out when you start talking uh-huh. talk about your sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, which one? Right. Which one can I tell you? <laughs> which one can I let stay in the dark? These people think I'm perfect. I can't share. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is you don't want to confess, they probably already know. Right. To yeah. some degree. Right. They're just hoping you'll confess. Yeah. That's all. Just get it out there. Yeah. Just go ahead and say it. Mm. Wow. And then praying for others, it could be anybody. Right. You know, you could have had any of the share and care things. Mm-hmm. Prayer requests. Or prayer requests are right there. They've all shared. And this is a way mm-hmm. of caring right in that, in the middle of that mm-hmm. prayer time. Mm-hmm. And then the last little pinky one is the one that we always um, usually jump to first, and that's praying for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that when you've gone through, okay, this is the glory of the living God. This is the faithfulness of the living God. This is his grace towards me uh, as a sinful individual that's so consistent. These are, the, these are all the things that God will do for others. Yeah, he's going to do these things for me. It actually engenders prayer of faith for ourselves as we go through the elements of prayer and end on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually praying, oh yeah, he's, he's amazing, he's gracious, he has done these things, he's, he loves others, and he loves me, of course he's going to answer this prayer um, that mm. I want to lay before his feet. Mm. So I think actually our prayer for ourselves will be better, clearer, and the right prayer in alignment with his will when we pray through those elements first. Right. So when you say praise <clears throat> and prayer, or, or prayer, prayer and, and worship, worship. Is so... Is, is the worship component a separate part from the prayer? So at prayer, or, or is the prayer and the praise that you're offering to the Lord? Well, you see, part of the you worship see worship component. is in all of those things, right. right? Right. But if you want in your group or in your corporate worship service to insert the Lord's Supper here, uh, to insert uh, singing here, those are other aspects of worship in any form. Um, in any form. Mm. And so that's why I put worship in there. Um, because, I, I mean, 
the Lord's Supper is mm-hmm. is looking back, right? Is, it, is, it is a looking back. There is an aspect until the Lord's return where we're looking forward, yeah. um, where we get to drink yeah. a cup of wine with Jesus forever yeah. and ever. That's right. Um, but the, the aspect of looking back is remembering what yeah. he has done, what he has sealed, finished, and accomplished right. for us. I think when we say worship here, depending on who hears that word, they immediately associate it with band, choir, song, yes. us doing that together. N- not so much a Romans 12, 1 and 2, mm-hmm. offer yourself as a living sacrifice, right. which is your spiritual worship, your, your worship. And so the prayer, these things are our worship. worship. And you can yeah. insert many elements, whether it be song. Song's not the only element no, of worship. Right. Many elements of worship. You could you could just read a psalm, right? Uh, and that you know, and and that that draws our hearts to God. That's what worship is: is realigning our hearts. We're God oriented yeah. uh, in what we're doing. Well, tactically, this even begins to affect again. I, this is a nice squirrel to chase here, but but this begins to affect our concept of how we organize around the local fellowship, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's something that can be multiplied or something that cannot be multiplied. And much of what we do, because we think in terms of production, is Mm -hmm. not multipliable. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it stagnates outward movement because the average, quote, average disciple, I can't organize that. I don't know how to do that. But but this is something every disciple can lead and participate in, and it's multipliable. Totally. When when we do our family worship, uh, like any one of my kids can lead this part, right? They, they, they can say, Titus, our littlest guy, you know, even when he was like three years old, he knew the elements, the, the components of prayer. And we would say, Titus, you want to lead us in the prayer time? Hey, praise God for yeah. who he is. You know, like this yeah. little, and, and it's just beautiful. It, it means that there isn't anyone who is unable to, to help bring us all before the throne of grace. Right. Um, I love the simplicity of that model of five parts, five fingers, just call them off. Pray. Yeah. That's good stuff. So the third third of the first third. <laughs> We're going it's so a lot of slow. thirds, I'm sorry. man. No, this is good. That's good. So the, the third third is, uh, you can call it accountability, but my preference is to call it celebration. So celebration or accountability. Um, and I prefer to call it celebration. Uh, because we're, we're asking people, how has God empowered you to be obedient to him since we last got together? And that can be, I was able to share my faith with these five people. I was able to, um, and this one came to faith out of the five. Uh, that's, that's a celebration. Um, I had... Um, you know, this last time I, as in confession, I realized that I had this, this attitude of the heart and I have, uh, read that verse each day that you gave me to read to help me to meditate on, to to address that heart issue. And I, I read it every day and God is really helping me to see victory in that area of my life. Those are celebration things. And we can ask accountability questions with uh, with evil intent and with lack of faith. And both of those 
I think, are aspects of grieving the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't say that lightly, but when we ask somebody, that thing that you promised to do last week, did you do it or didn't you do it? We have to check our hearts in that moment. Are we believing in the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Romans 8.11, in the individual that we're asking that accountability question for? Uh, Christ and his resurrection power is a seal and a deposit of transformation in the life of every believer. That person has access to all of that authority, all of that power, all of that um, unbroken, or that, that, that broken chains from the shackles of sin in their life. So ought we not ex- to expect transformation to be occurring in a person's life, and that a person delights in the gospel and desires to share their faith? Um, hmm. that's so good. that's an important way that we need to make sure we're phrasing the question from a perspective of faith in the living God, in the individual. Does it, how do you, how do you deal with it? Somebody says to you in a group meeting or personally, I'd look, I really, I really wish that you'd ask me these questions. This is, this is something that's important to me. It's something I really want to do. You get two or three months in and they're just not making much progress. Um, what, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like it, how do you um, press in a little bit? Toward the, um, you know, you, I guess the person could say, "Well, the Lord's not giving me the power to do it," you know. And you go, "Okay, what?" Just, I guess, just nuts and bolts on the ground. Sure. For a person who's asked you to help them come along, how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, the the first thing is there's that. How many times are you supposed to forgive? Um, statement of Jesus. There's, yeah, sure. that's, there's a patience. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Praise God, there's a patience to God that we ought to exhibit um, that is often hard for us to exhibit uh, mm-hmm. for people who are cyclically coming back into the same, uh, the same aspects of sin. Um, but there, if we believe that the Word of God is powerful, then... I would I would recommend as you lead somebody that is that is consistently dealing with a particular sin or um, is filled with fear so that they they don't even share their faith ever uh, that you address it from the word so always confront from the word not your own uh, authority that's one thing so that sure. we're we're in alignment under authority um, give. Give aspects or verses or passages for a person to read or meditate on. Um, I want you to listen to this ten times a day. I want you to um, I want you to repeat this this verse. We're going to memorize it right now. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the word is hidden in the person's heart before you leave. And that might be like I want you to stay for an hour after mm-hmm. group, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into this. Um, if you truly do want to be obedient in this point and you truly are convicted on this point, then let's, and you, you have to leave it as a choice mm-hmm. for the person. If the person is returning uh, to their foolishness, like a dog to its vomit, uh, as um, 
there is a, as Proverbs says, then there is an aspect of uh, when you are ready, if you, if you really truly want transformation, you have all of this, this power within you for that. Um, so when you're ready, these are the points that I want to lead you in, in, in obedience. So for somebody not sharing their faith, maybe it's they don't know how to. And that's, that's the thing that you need to do, is just take them through a simple gospel presentation, um, something like three circles or something mm-hmm. like that, that's really, really simple. Um, takes three minutes. Here's how you share your testimony. Let's practice that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're fearful and they don't realize, and they need to have some verses to kind of, you know, um, nothing can take you out of the hand of God. He holds you in his hand, and there is nothing that can remove you from his presence from John 10. Um, And, you know, those are things that you might want to help them to kind of, yeah, yeah, that's, those are the ways that I, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios I'm thinking. Oh, sure. But when the heart, when you're coming at this, the idea that we check our heart and we're celebrating what God has done, it's less, what didn't you do and more? What has God done in your life, and how exactly. how has He blessed mm-hmm. obedience yeah. this week in in a multitude of areas? And that reframes it, and it's not just a reframing job. It's I think it's taking a a, a theological, a proper theological That's understanding right. on who we are and what God has yeah. promised to do in with and for us. We're yeah. expecting to see fruit because see we can actually fruit. be obedient in our flesh. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I mean that's what Paul is saying when he says, I don't boast in anything but Christ. Um, and I, I don't want to do that either. Yeah. I don't want to boast in my own strength to right. be able yeah. to, you know, follow some good principles. Hmm. You know, I am at heart, apart from Christ, I'm depraved. Yeah. Um, and so anything that is good in me is, is an evidence of grace. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to give, I'm, I don't want to be a glory robber in any sense. Um, and hmm. so, Making sure that this is celebration puts the emphasis back on on giving God his his yeah. just dues. Yeah, I guess I don't know if this is the. I know that very few people have struggled with celebrating with someone. Like it's a, that's easy to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm in the group and somebody goes, "Hey, I won three people to Christ this week." Yeah, very few people listening to this need instruction on how to celebrate with them. Right, right. But the truth is, and I don't know. Pro, part of process is. Eventually, being reined in, and even church discipline. Sure. And so that's the part I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with. Like the, it comes a time. I've led groups before where we had, we had people there that, you know, I used to do singles ministry. We had guys there that had no yeah. interest in the Lord. Yeah. And at some point, you had to go, okay, man, what's happening? And you you know you're hearing what's going on hmm. in between the last time we met. And so, that, I mean, that's, that's a real practical question that folks are like, okay, at some point, um, and it's not, it's not so much a matter of like, I'm not, I'm done being patient with you as much right. as it is I love you and I care about you. Right. And the redemptive process works in a way that somebody else who loves you has to say, man, th- okay, you, you've crossed a boundary that, that can't be crossed anymore. I mean, we, we practice church discipline at our church. Right. I mean, and usually if things are working well, that probably shows up in a group meeting somewhere, maybe first, yes. yeah. right before it ever gets back to the pastor. Right. That's probably how it should work anyway. Right. 
I mean, if you're hearing about it and you're not meeting in the group, yeah. the group's probably been living with it yeah. for a long time and nobody was willing to. We're a couple steps down the line at yeah. that point. Right? Yeah, and so that was so, all I was trying to get to with that. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I think if we pray mm. and we make sure that we have confession and prayer, yeah. we're, we're modeling the, the elements of transformation of character so that we reflect the character of Christ. We're modeling that, um, and we're calling everybody to that. So that's one way that... So, so p- part of this is, this this creates a culture in which you are prepared, uh, you're prepared for the church discipline that's necessary, but you have done everything along the way to point people towards the transforming um, authority and power of the Word of God and... Uh, the Word of God being both this as well as the Logos, uh, Christ. And I think a lot of times we were all surprised when somebody leaves their wife or... But what was the discipleship that was done mm-hmm. along the way? Yeah. So that when a guy, when you're, you're in that group of three guys, and that might be something to, to help... Um, with people actually taking time for deeper confession is break up by sexes. Yeah. If you, if you're in a small group for the, the prayer part or for the um, celebration accountability part, um, you could, but that's just kind of an aside. But I think the thing is that making sure that you're, you're addressing those things along the way in, and that it's part of the culture of that discipleship group is actually going to lead to less necessity of church discipline being yeah. enacted. Yeah. I think it's rare, for sure. It's not something that you're going to see yeah. often. Yeah. But it's probably where that process, it, you know, even if you take Matthew 18 and you practice it, it should happen there. Yes. That, that should where it, it yeah. should be initiated. It's, it's here, you and me, and then it's, okay, that's not working out, so it's you two and me. Mm-hmm. And then it's, and then it's, you know what? We need to take this. And so, by the time it does get to an elder, it's the process has been worked yeah, right. because right here, this is coming out. It's becoming clear that this is a problem, and that that is the ideal. Yeah, absolutely. As a and it's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Like it's completely regenerative. Yeah, yeah. It really is. I mean, there's no. I mean, obviously, you have to check your heart. I mean, if I'm telling you what a great guy you are, and I'm doing it with the wrong heart, right. even that's bad. Yeah. Right. So it's like the heart has got to be the dealt with with everything. Absolutely. And so certainly with something as sensitive as this, you know, you, yeah, we all have to be on the same page with that. Well, that's a celebratory issue too, because the pad that passage makes very clear that when Jesus is is referencing back to the law that that uh, when you follow his instructions, because you can't mm-hmm. accuse someone on the evidence of unless there are two or three right. witnesses. So Jesus isn't saying where there's more than one, you can have legitimate worship, which is how that totally gets ripped mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And every time I hear that, I cringe and want to scream and run through a wall. Yeah, He's referencing too. the scriptures that have already been inspired, that you can't accuse somebody on the evidence of less than two or three witnesses. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, where two or three are gathered in my name, that you're obeying my word, I'm there. You and have the so, authority at that yeah, point. Yeah, you have the, his yeah. authority because he's present. Yeah. And that's celebratory. As mm-hmm. difficult as that situation may be, there's something to celebrate that, man, Jesus is really here. Yeah. And he's working this out. And so there, 
even and, and I think that it maybe infringes on my idea of celebration too, because sometimes celebration is woohoo, and sometimes no celebration is mm, but you're here. Yeah. Even though I walk and, through the valley of the shadow of death. And someone mm-hmm. coming to the place where they they come and they say, um, I failed yet again. Right. Is actually they're here. Their shame did not keep them away. Their mm-hmm. guilt did not keep them away mm-hmm. from the group. Yeah, that's right. They're here. They're truthful enough to confess that they failed again. That actually, those are evidences of grace. Mm-hmm. Even in that moment. That, and that's, that's the perspective that as a group leader you have to have. Not, oh man, I can't believe we're here again. Yeah. Because um, that, that, there's a lot of times where I can imagine that Jesus could say that. But right. he doesn't. Right. Um, Right. And and so I think that's that's also even at the point of failure, you have to celebrate that the person came, confessed, mm-hmm. and that there's opportunity for grace to abound more. Yeah. Um, well, now great. that that doesn't mean grace doesn't mean like yeah no problem sin sin all the more so that grace may abound <laughs> more and more. That's no that's not yeah, what we're a saying. Whole bunch that follows that um, up, right? <laughs> right. But. Uh, at the same time, it's something you do have to follow in and, and, mm-hmm. and press in and say, um, you know, what are these patterns? But I, I think this is something that, you know, the the AA founder, I mean, these are principles he took out mm-hmm. of people who are, you know, if you talk about bondage to sin, like this is what we think of addiction as, as a bondage to sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's something that he took out, like confession is actually one of the things that allows AA to actually be effective in keeping right. people out of um, out of addiction. Mm. Um, and it's been secularized, but these were things that were taken from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, let's take a break right here, and then we'll come back and talk about the second of the third. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions if you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.